Welcome to Marketing from the Outside In, the podcast that explores the intersection of business, marketing, and social impact. Our guests are changemakers from traditionally excluded or marginalized communities, and they're building enterprises that transcend borders and make a positive impact in the world. Maria, we're so excited to have you on this show today. Thank you so much for being here and being my guest. Uh, let's just start from the beginning. Uh, tell us a little bit about you and your business. How did you get to where you are today? Hi, Molly. It's nice to be here with you today. Um, well, long story short, I grew up in a family business, got my um, undergrad degree, and um, started my career in the Big Six Consulting. And I didn't last very long. It lasted a couple of years. And when an opportunity arose to do um, an IT consulting project, I said, okay, you know what? Um, it came to my husband. So we are partners in business. And I told my husband at that point in time, it's like, you don't need to go work for somebody. My parents did it. It can't be that hard. So we incorporated. It came out from an organic request from a new client. And that is what gave us our start, actually, with IT. And we were, um, we were incorporated in 1999. So for those of you that may be around for a while, that was when Y2K happened. Everybody thought the world would end when we went into four digits in the year. So it was an interesting time to start our business. And I don't know if you, you actually talked about this, but why IT? Ah, so... I grew up in a family business that sold computers. So back in the 80s, when they weighed like 50 pounds and nobody quite understood how to, to use them, I grew up in a business that sold it. I didn't know much about it. Um, but what it happened was I got exposed to this technology. And so it didn't seem like something new and foreign. It was something that I had been exposed to, whether it was looking at sales brochures and putting their order in the family business or whether it was helping with the accounting or the shipping. It was something that I've been always exposed to. And so I went to college. I also got a degree um, in business with an emphasis on the information sciences. That's awesome. Awesome. And what's it been like also, you know, having this business with your husband? Um, it's interesting. I, you know, COVID, I think, really brought us to a head. I mean, we were been fortunate to be in business for so long. And when life is good, you don't kind of look at a lot of things. But um, COVID forced us to, to realign. I say we were uh, very young when we started this business and we were kind of winging it. And so being in business and a family business has its own nuances. I think, though, it allows us to see our strengths because we are on. Um, Kind of humorous. My, our kids kind of wondered how we've been married and working together for so many years. But our, our um, personalities are very complementary. So it's such that allows us to run our business. Really. So things he's good at, I don't really get involved with. Stuff I'm really good at, he doesn't, he doesn't really do. So it's really allowed us to, to stay in business and grow. I love it. And so what parts of the business do you do versus what he does? Sure. You know, although I have a technical background, I did everything from fixing computers to installing networks. Um, I focus on the business operations, everything from the day to day, um, everything, all the moving parts of the business is, is my side. He handles all of our client relationships in terms of the technical aspect of the work. Uh, he's remained on the technical side of the business, whereas I focus on everything on the business side of things. 
And what has been maybe the one thing that has made the biggest difference in terms of building your business? I think it's it's been a journey. And I think one of the biggest things I've learned along the way is the, uh, the willingness to continuously learning. And we have been fortunate, like I said, when times are good, you don't really focus on things. And in the last two years, we I say we are a startup with 20 years of experience. We've realigned how we've been doing our marketing, how we look at how we position ourselves, how we share who we are. Because if we're not clear on who we, we can't share that well to our, to the world, how can our clients find us? And so it's really about finding the resources in a way that you can understand and that you can operate with. Because not all of us can work in the same way, right? I mean, it's not like we're in school anymore and, you know, given a fixed set of rules to live by. As entrepreneurs, we're so crazy. We're like all over the place. So it's really about what works well for each individual. So you mentioned that, you know, your business changed during COVID or maybe around then and you altered how you talk about the business. Can you go into that a little more? I'd love to hear sure. what it was before and then what it what you're saying now. I would love to say I had a clear mission and vision statement that I could just like it off the bat. And one of the things I was blessed with was to work with a really strong um, branding and marketing coaches. And so now I can tell people my mission is to connect the dots between people, operations and technology. And we used to talk about bridging the gap between business and IT, because as you go, most of our clients are enterprise level clients. We are in data analytics space. And when you talk about bridging the gap between business and IT, that makes sense for certain people who get it, that business talks differently than, say, an IT department. But in the general space, you know, that's a little, I got feedback that was vague. So this ability to share that we really connect the dots, people, operations, and technology it has been very powerful from, from my end, and I think as well as from the receiving end. Because people come to us as a technology company thinking that technology is going to solve their issues. And the reality is you got to look at your people and you got to look at how you operate because no tool is going to fix those, those pieces of the puzzle that need to be addressed first. And so do you work in all of those areas for the HR side of things for people and like operations, or is it mainly in the IT space? Mainly in the IT space, but I could give an example like this. We talk about change management and we talk about incorporating how people operate. So for instance, our, the end result after working with us is that I, I tell people they get, they maximize every dollar in their corporate budget because we create custom analytic and reporting solutions. And those have to be designed on how the user is going to want to interface and wants to see that data. So it's not so much about managing people, but it's about managing expectations and having your clients realize that change management, especially in the IT space is extremely important. Because otherwise, it's just going to be another tool that you've added into your base and it's there. You know, you put the money in, you put the time in, expense. But if your people are not using it, it's wasted. So that's where the people component comes in. With that. And you mentioned that you work with enterprise level companies. Have you always worked at the enterprise level? And then how did that start? How did you get your first clients? So we are an SAP services partner. So for those that are unfamiliar with SAP, it's a large, so it's a software package that allows companies to put all their information in one area at one place. So it eliminates all that um, unnecessary extra work. So it allows companies to track, say, 
their sales, their um, people, their product or services, everything is, it's a central area for information. And as how we got into it was, it was very organic because at that time in the late 90s, it was really large organizations. So um, that's how it came to us and how we've stayed in that market is word of mouth. I will say that we, we um, as a child and small business owners, I was extremely passionate and wanting to work in, in help small and medium-sized businesses. And we tested that out, but it wasn't, it wasn't our sweet spot in terms of um, there's nuances in each different client market, right? And we are not cheap and we're not fast. We really focus on giving high quality work. And of course, then there's a price associated with that. Well said, well said. And what do you love most about what you do? I think it's the people operations side. You know, you know the technology piece, I'm still in it. I. I love that you go out and every client has a different nuance and we're helping, we're giving them tangible results that there's certain clients where we've done work and we can still see our work being used. So I like being able to see the results and I like to be able to actually work with people and help them solve problems. And a lot of times as a consultant, you know, we're not, we don't know what the status quo is. Right. You're coming into an organization. They have their way of operating. But what we're really seeing is we're seeing where they are. We're seeing where they want to be. And it's really like an outside trusted partner that comes in almost like a coach, but as an expert that can come in and really get them moving along. I love it. I love it. I love how passionate you are about what you do and that you are in your zone of genius and sharing your unique, unique gifts. Um, that's something that I love to see. Uh, what are some of the unique challenges that you faced either as a woman or a minority? How did that make you feel? How did it affect you? And how did you overcome it? Uh, being a child of the 80s and 90s, I would say um, I was also always used to being the person that didn't look like anybody else in the room. So that piece wasn't, um, it was something I was just used to. But I think as I got into business and then it was becoming of, a, of going out and interacting with people and clients, what I realized was I had to set the stage. Like if I walk into a room, I have to tell, I get to tell people that I am the owner. I am the CEO. I'm a co-founder to set the stage of what they can expect from me. Because if I don't share who I am and what I'm bringing to the table, everybody's minds just go, right? I mean, we all have what we all know, everyone's talking about unconscious bias and, and any bias that we can have. And so I kind of realized that I get to set the table because otherwise um, it's easy to be talked over. It's easy to be underestimated. And sometimes it works in your favor as well because when you're listening, you see what's going on in the room. So it gives you a different perspective on what each person needs. I think as I've gotten further along in my career, I, I feel like the world is shifting into a different conversation. I don't think any of these conversations that we've had before on DEI really were ever brought to the forefront about 20 years ago. Like when we started in business, it was there. I think one of the biggest hurdles we face is that as a small business like yourself, you understand like this is our bread and butter. 
So we put our best foot forward every single day and every single moment we're th- working with our clients. And yet in this space, it's, it's often, I can understand too, it's, it can be um, a challenge to work with a small business. But I will tell you that access sometimes still is the idea, right? About can you get somebody to sponsor you to open that door? And I think although conversations are shifting, that's still one of the biggest challenges and opportunities that exist. I love it. Yes. So many things in there that you said. I really do feel like this conversation about DEI, it's it's newer for people, right? Maybe it's something that we've all been been part of, but um, really it's a new conversation. But here we are doing the work that we've been doing (laughs) this whole time and putting out our high quality. So, um, you know, I can appreciate this. Um, What was... What was a challenge that you faced in your business um, that you can share with us? Maybe a story um, that you feel feel like sharing with us and, and how did you overcome that? Well, I think um, like many small businesses, the pandemic threw us for a really big, I mean, we are a family run business and um, we are based out in Michigan and most of our clients were in our manufacturing in at the time when, you know, March 12, 2020 hit and things stopped, it also stopped for us. And I think, although originally I was thinking, oh, it's only like a three month, it can't be that, right? None of us really knew what we were in for. And as a parent, as a business owner, it was a lot, right? I think at a personal level, we're trying to take care of things. At a professional level, you're trying to take care of things. And it really became a period for us to reevaluate what we wanted as human beings, right? I mean, I was in a session where a speaker today was talking about how do you define success? And everybody's definition of success is different. And it, and at that time, I think what I would say, what overcome, how we overcame it was I realized after, um, as you talk about education and whatnot, I, was blessed to go through the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business program before at the end of, I ended in nine, in 2019. And one of the biggest conversations in that is as you look to grow your business, you've got to find people that can help you do it. You know, if we had all the tools within ourselves, maybe, and maybe we do, but if you want to do it faster, you want to do it efficiently. Sometimes you got to go out. Right. And that's what we did. We, I got a business coach who kind of realigned us as business owners and as a family-run business about what it is they want to create. Again, I found a really good marketing coach that got us to clean up house and to re, like really redefine and hold it. So although that period was a high period of challenge, I think we overcame it by taking the time to look internally and fix everything internally and the foundation so that as we we progressed and our mind got back into, okay, we are on in this business for the long haul. What is it that, what are the steps that we get to take to, to achieve what it is we want to achieve? And so in the process, you know, I learned, I, I always answer RFPs, but do you think I ever gave out an RFP for my outside resources? So I had one of my business coaches tell me, put out a marketing RFP because that's, and I, I don't understand marketing, right? I mean, I know what I want to get out of it, 
but I didn't know how to find a good marketing team. And out of that coaching, I put out a couple of RFPs, I've read it a lot of people. We finally found a marketing team who understands our space. And so those are the steps. You know, I think a lot of times people want that idea that's just an overnight switch and you just turn it on and then every, all your problems go away, you find the solution. I don't think it was overnight. I think it was consistent steps. And even though you're taking two steps back, you're finding one step forward and slowly things start popping up. I love what you're saying about really taking that time during the pandemic to create your opportunities and work on kind of internally turning inward on the things that you needed to. Um, I, I also went through the 10,000 small businesses program uh, right around the same time at 2018, 2019. Um, so, you know, that's, it's great. It's a great program. I would definitely recommend it for people. Um, and, and I love that, you know, your point to, it's not an overnight type of change. It's not one thing, right? It's, it's a consistent, it's consistent progression and consistent changes. Um, as marketers ourselves and having this marketing agency, it's, it's always, you know, there's always so much more to do and knowing exactly where our clients need to land in terms of what do they need to change. I think that's really important. And I'm glad that you were able to kind of hone in on that. Uh, what would you give as far as advice to um, younger people, women who are at the start of their entrepreneurial journey today? I think there's a lot of resources available. If, and maybe they were 20 years ago. I'm, I, don't, I don't know. But I think now, I think women especially, when I walk into a room, women business owners, they tend to open up, want to network in terms of wanting to learn what you're doing and help you get, if you haven't asked, most people are willing to help you. And um, I would say find the groups in your area that allow you to get your feet wet and get comfortable. So I, I am a minority certified, women-owned certified business. So we've got WeBank, got the MMSDC here locally in Michigan. I sit on the board here at um, the Nabo Greater Detroit chapter. I mean, these are all places that if you're newer to business, I, I really suggest you learn what that conversation is like. It's like, no, any different industry, right? You go in and there's a way that people communicate. There's a way that people talk. Not that it's, it's a, uh, something you want to understand, but I think what it allows you to do is see how people in different industries, different size businesses, different stages, how they think. So a lot of times my biggest aha moments have come from people who are not in my industry, like artists. You know, sometimes I'm thinking like, I have nothing in common with a technology company and a glass blowing company or a woman who has 80 people under her in Mary Kay. But every person brings their experience in business and in life. And there's so much out there to learn from and get your feet wet. And I also heard something else like fail fast. Because if you're failing fast, you're going to keep learning. It's okay to fail. It definitely is okay to fail. <laughs> I hear you on that one. And yes, well said. I'm a lifelong learner myself. Um, so I definitely believe also in power of networking and getting to know people. I think I'm just naturally curious about people and want to uh, learn from every single person that I meet. So um, I think that that's, that's great advice. 
Um, what's what's a lesson that you've learned being this business owner for this long? What's the most important lesson that you've learned um, in your work? I think it's um, being being comfortable being uncomfortable. It used to be when I started, I was always worried about who's going to be in the room and what needs to be said and how am I going to, you know, you still have to do the prep work. You must do your homework. You must be prepared for situations, but you're never going to be 100% prepared for everything you want to do. So it's about being uncomfortable. It's like no different than doing this podcast, right? It's like you walk in and you've got to, if you're, as long as you're true to yourself and you're okay being uncomfortable, you'll figure it out. So I've, now, um, I'm, I'm just like, you know, you got to go with it because as business owners, it's really interesting. Most of us are used to having a plan B, C, D, E, like nonstop, right? It's not going to work the first time. That's okay. We'll come up with something else. This podcast episode is brought to you by The Herb Shop. The Herb Shop serves the Portland community by offering high quality herbal medicine and other herb-based wellness products. Their store has more than 300 items, including teas, powders, spices, essential oils, crystals, and skincare. The Herb Shop takes pride in using only locally sourced organic or wild-crafted herbs. Beyond offering remedies, the Herb Shop has made it a mission to provide education on traditional herbal medicine. They regularly host classes and workshops on making your own remedy, using plants for healing, gardening, and other topics. They also offer nutrition and wellness consultations. To learn more about The Herb Shop, visit theherbshoppdx.com or drop by their store at 3912 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland. Looking for more valuable insights about entrepreneurship and business? Get our free ebook inspired by this week's episodes at marketingfromtheoutsidein.com slash grow. That's marketingfromtheoutsidein.com slash G-R-O-W. I love your energy, Maria. You've got, you know, that such positivity, but also this realistic, you know, solidity to you and um, so I really appreciate that. Um, thank you for sharing that. What's, what's something that you wish more people knew about the IT industry and, you know, based on your experience? Oh, I would say that I don't think anybody knows what a true IT person looks like. You know, there was, right. I think there was a stereotype when we were young, like it's like a person with glasses and it's like this, and they're like a certain gender or a certain. Yeah, at this play, at this point in time, technology has transformed so much from this idea that um, this no code type of um, technology where you really don't need to be a heavy duty coder to people of all ages breaking into. We see all these young kids who are avid coders or avid. They're just wanting to use their STEM experience to change the world. So I think. It, there's no true definition of an IT person anymore. I think it, and there's so many nuances in this industry about what's possible and where you can use your talents, whether it's on a technical side, connected people with technology, operations. There's just a lot of opportunity. Awesome. Awesome. Let's, 
let's bust through the stereotypes, please. Um, that would be great. I love, I love that. Uh, okay. So kind of, you know, turning to the future, you've been in this business for almost 24 years. You've done it all. You've made it through this pandemic, you know, let's knock on wood. Um, what's next for you? What's, what's going on for you, Maria? That's a great question. I mean, I am looking at new opportunities to grow in terms of, you know, we are a services-based company. How is it that we can continue to create value into our business? And what does it look like in terms of uh, diversifying a bit more? So like I said, we're based out of Detroit. And so we are, everybody thinks of automobility and um, automotive manufacturing, but there's a lot of value that we can provide to different industries. So that's kind of um, where we're like every other business right now, thinking about what 2023 will look like. And although we're looking at um, an economy that nobody's really sure of, I am st I'm cautiously optimistic if that we can survive 2020 and 2021, that we've got the strong foundation to figure out what's coming forward. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Is there anything you feel like uh, you want to share that you haven't shared yet? I want to, you know, just honor your time and, and wrap up now, but I really appreciate everything you've said and we just want to give you a floor. Uh, no, I think, you know, Molly, it's been a pleasure joining you today. I think we covered a lot from what it means to be a woman in business, in technology. I would say that there is room for any person to do what they want to do if you just find your path. And it's okay to keep testing out the waters because once you find it, you'll know. So it's okay to keep on going and keep on trying and experimenting and getting where you want to go. Thank you so much. I love that. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Marketing from the Outside In. Our candid conversations with inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders show the power of entrepreneurship to drive social impact and create lasting positive change. Join our community of changemakers and subscribe to our podcast for more actionable insights and strategies. Together, we can continue to create a ripple effect that transcends borders and makes the world a better place.